I'll never forget what a young father of three once said to me. We were in his backyard barbecuing and he had his kids in the background and he pointed them and he said, you know what the greatest lesson I can ever give my children will be? That I'll never be enough for them. But it's my job to point them to the one who can be. In other words, as fathers, we're always going to fall short of what we wish we could give our children, what we should give our children. But as long as we always point them to God the Father, then even when we fail in our efforts, they'll always have the one to supply in their need. They'll always have the one who is enough. I thought I'd reflect a little bit today on Father's Day, because the Gospel said the word Father, so it gives me a loophole, to talk about what is the role of the Father, what's the ideal of every Father. And it really comes down to three, three Ps, if you want to remember it that way. The Father is called to preside, to provide, and to protect His family. The Father is given the authority to preside over the Father, kind of like a captain over a ship. It's his job to guide everyone together, to lead them in the same direction, and to unify them in a common vision. He's also called to provide for them. It's the Father's job to instill in the children the tools that they're going to need to go out into the world to be successful in life. And lastly, by protecting, the Father is called to create a safe environment at home where all those gifts in those children can flourish. So preside, provide, and protect. Because the main focus of every father is potentiality. Mothers are more attuned to the need in the present moment. Fathers are always looking for the future. How can I equip my children with what they need so that they can go into the world and succeed in life? Because we all know there's many more ways to fail than to succeed. It's a lot easier to fall short. And so a father wants to give his child all the tools that they're going to need so that when they go into life, they can be successful. So that's the ideal of the father, to preside, to provide, and protect in order to maximize the potentiality of his children. There's a lot of keys there. But there's also two dangers that every father can fall into. They say that in media veritas est, the truth is in the middle. So the virtue of what it means to be an ideal father lies in the middle of two extreme dangers, and that's to be either absent or to become a tyrant. One father flees from the responsibility of raising his children. The other one, much easier, he can become obsessed with controlling every aspect of his children's lives. So one is too lax, the other becomes overbearing. One leaves his children too free, the other one strips them of their freedom altogether. But both are dangerous. You can see this reflected in different ways, like the story of King Saul and King David. They actually each represent one of the kings. King Saul represents the tyrannical father. He's given power and authority by God to rule the kingdom of Israel as the first king. But instead of serving his people, he actually becomes a tyrant because he, he becomes so obsessed with controlling everything in the kingdom, with having absolute power, that he even tries to subjugate and kill David 
because he's trying to squelch his individual freedom. He's not allowing the people within his kingdom to grow into their own persons. And because of that, he loses the kingdom. God punishes him by taking the kingdom from him because he wasn't using his power to serve, but rather to be served. King David represents the other side of that. He represents the father of Skondikus, the absent father. The father who, instead of using his power to sacrifice himself for his family, for his kingdom, he ends up fleeing the responsibility. He seeks the life of pleasure and of personal gain. And that's why at one point when he has his big fall of Bathsheba, it says in the time of war, when all the kings go out to battle, what did King David do? He stayed home. And he was sleeping on a terrace. He was eating food. He wasn't taking care of what he was supposed to do. And because of that, he fell into lust and even started to lust after his own subjects' wives. So if you don't read the Bible, you don't know those stories, you can also see this reflected in The Lion King. It's very archetypical in this. Everyone's like, okay, now you're speaking my language. All right, Lion King. This is very straightforward, archetypical language for fatherhood, actually. So Mufasa, Simba's father in that movie, he represents the ideal father. He loves his kingdom, he loves his subjects. He knows that he's only there for a moment of time and all his energy is meant to serve the kingdom and everything's flourishing all around him right and he's, his whole goal is to actualize the potency of his son who can follow after him well Simba comes to represent the absent father because later on when his own father dies what does he do he flees the kingdom he goes into the jungle and he starts to live by the philosophy of akuna matata it means no worries right so he spends his time seeking immediate pleasures and gains, and all the while, what's happening to his kingdom at home? It's falling apart. So that's reflected in, in any man who doesn't take the proper responsibility of sacrificing himself once he gets a family, but he tries to hold on to his independence and have like a side life on the side because he's afraid of the responsibility of the death to himself. And Scar represents the tyrannical father. The father who stays home, but he manipulates everyone around him for his own good. So he's not interested, like Mufasa, in sacrificing himself for the good of the kingdom. Rather, he's sacrificing everybody else in the kingdom for his own good. And that's what a pirate father does. And so that's the ideal of what the father should look like, what we should strive to be, and the two extremes that we should try to avoid. But it's never an easy task. Someone even came up to me afterwards. They're like, well, how the heck do you know when you're being too much on one side or, or on the other side? And it's, you don't. It's, it's almost like standing on a log in water trying to find your balance. You know, you're always going back and forth. And let's be honest, not every child needs the same kind of loving. You know, some need a pat on their back. Some need a little push on their rear end. You know, they get them to stand up a little bit. So you constantly have to balance between uh, the two sides of that. But it got me thinking about something. I, I wondered if it's normal that at some point in life that every parent apologizes to their firstborn child. It's like, I'm sorry, you were kind of a test baby. You know, your mother and I had no idea what we were actually doing, so we got all of our mistakes out on you in the first place. It's like, oh, that didn't work out so well. 
We'll save that for the next child, you know. Thanks for your willing sacrifice, number one. I've been thinking about that because a little bit in light of my first two years as a priest, because the truth is I was never a father before all of you, before coming to All Saints. So in a lot of ways I've had to learn what it means to be a father in this first parish, being kind of my firstborn. And I've been learning what it means along the way, what to say, what not to say, what to do, what maybe I shouldn't be doing. And most of those lessons I've learned along the way through the mistakes I've, I've done. So I'd like to take this Father's Day uh, to especially to apologize to everyone for any ways that I've fallen short as your father in these last two years. The times I've been too passive or scared or lazy and wasn't there for you as you may have needed me along the way. The times I absconded my responsibilities as a priest when I was more concerned with my own self-preservation than sacrificing myself for your good. And I'd like to apologize on the, on the other hand for the times I acted like a tyrant when perhaps I demanded more of you than you could give or the lessons I wanted to teach you was greater than the love that I have for you. It should never be the case. So the role of a father is to prepare his children to go out into the world, to tap into all the potential of what they can be so they can go out and succeed. But my role as a priest is not so much your success in the world, it's the salvation of your soul. I could succeed at every other thing in this life, in this world. If I fail at that, I fail as a father. It's no easy task in our age. We all know in, in the times we're living in, it's far easier to lose your faith than to retain it. That's why Christ said, wide and spacious is the way that leads to damnation. And many are they that are on it. And how straight and narrow is the way that leads to life. And few are they that find it. And that's my role as your father. To help you find and succeed on that narrow path. I do everything else. I fail at that. I fail as your father. And I'm very aware of that. And as your father, I promise you that with the help of God, that I'll do everything I can to protect you from the false ideologies of this world, from the assaults of the evil one, of your own sins, and to provide for you the sacraments that you need for your salvation, to help you make it on that road to salvation. But I know and I have no doubt that it's something that I'll continually fail at. I'll always continue to fall short of what I should be. That's also why I'm so thankful that the most important lesson I can ever give you as your father, I get to do every single time we come to Mass on this altar. Because no matter how many times I fall short, every single Mass we celebrate together proclaims one fundamental message. When through my words and actions, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ is made present in our midst right here on this altar. And that presence carries one fundamental message. 
as your father, I will never be enough for you. But in every mass, in every consecration of that host, I get to point to the one who can be. And as long as we always keep our eyes on him, as long as he remains the focal point of our liturgy and of our lives, then you will always have the providence and the protection that you need to succeed on the path to salvation. You will always have the one who is enough.